Hello, and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings toward our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. So this week we are continuing our read of A Storm of Swords with Jamie 5. And I have with me a couple of the usual suspects. YD. Hi everyone, this is YD and you can find me at Yellow Delaney on Tumblr. And Eon. Hey, this is Eon. You can find me at Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And we have two guests this week. We have Guile. Hi, I'm Guile. You can find me at Guile and Subterfuge at Tumblr. And Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho. You can find me at Clotho Spindle on Tumblr. And we're really happy to have you guys here. Um, (laughs) This is a big chapter. A chapter for which we will need to give our standard spoiler warning. Um, Spoilers for the show, spoilers for the books. Uh, But no trigger warnings this week, so that's a big thumbs up for (laughs) this chapter. (laughs) Unless you have a problem with bonus. Yeah, well, (laughs) I mean, it is rated explicit, so, you know, hopefully they're going to know that there might be some big cock talk in this one. (laughs) I I see what you did there. Yeah, Eye for innuendo. Yeah. Um, yeah, There should be an eye for innuendo. Is that a thing on AO3? Probably. Not yet. It should be. It will be. Oh, God. Guys, this is a preview of this episode, so if you're not in the mood for this kind of a podcast, (laughs) get out now. We're going to be laughing a lot, I think, in this Save yourselves. Yeah. So, we open this chapter um, about a week after the last chapter, at least according to most timelines. Um, Jamie is being led into the Harrenhal bathhouse, (laughs) and lucky for us... George R. R. Martin really kind of sets the scene for the bathhouse. It is a um, a room filled with bathtubs that will hold six or seven people. It's a low ceilinged room. It's hot with steam coming off the tubs. It's a very dim atmosphere. And Jamie walks in and lo and behold, what does he find? But Brienne of Tarth naked in one of the tubs. And <laughs> So begins, um, I guess, kind of the birth of a ship. Is this pretty much where everyone kind of really started to ship this thing? Uh, It actually was when I started to ship it. I mean, I I was a show watcher first, so it was this episode where I started to ship it. Well, that's who all was a show watcher first? Guile, Clotho, were you guys show watchers? No, I was. I read the books and then I started watching. I think it was after the beginning of third or the end of two. But yeah, no, I read the books first. I was pretty much simultaneous, and I will say I shipped them before just because, you know, antagonistic bantering is so my thing. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough to see them naked on TV and not ship them if you're at all interested in this kind of ship, I suppose. But yeah. I know. For I thought you were going to stop at it's tough to see them naked on TV, and I was going to have to strongly <laughs> object. No, no, it's not Get tough. out. Get out, chicky. No, not with an ass like Gwendolyn Christie's. It's not tough to see them on TV naked. 
That is that is a nice spot. Yeah. So we jump straight into um, Jamie sees Brienne naked, and instead of you know being a gentleman and maybe clearing his throat and turning his back or something, instead he like makes fun of her for how hard she's scrubbing her arm in in the bath, and you can assume just keeps staring right at her. And she does what any woman does and, you know, kind of freaks out and covers her boobs with her hands. And, of course, he has to, like, mock how big her hands are and talk about how tiny her boobs are. But it's funny that he talks about her boobs for pretty much an entire paragraph. Yes. You know, I I was wanting to, like, jump back a little bit. Her scrubbing angrily on her skin. I was wondering if maybe that was the day that Kyburn did his exam on her. Oh, my Mm. God. I mean, maybe, maybe. I think, I mean, I don't know. The impression I got when I was reading is she's just had enough. She's got so many emotions running through her mind right now, and she's kind of just trying to scrub it all away, kind of like she does in the bath in Feast when she's the cute Jamie instead of Renly. So I think she's kind of, you know, she's angry about everything. She's angry about the situation that they're in. She's angry about feeling helpless, probably angry about not being able to fulfill her vow to Catelyn, Um, probably extremely angry. And and she probably feels really, I don't know, dirty, I I guess, about her almost gang gang rape. She probably just wanted like a little bit of privacy too. Instead, you know, here comes Jamie. And there's Jamie. Invading her privacy. Yeah, I mean, she was just looking privacy. forward. She was just looking forward to like a glass of wine, some candle, maybe a nice <laughs> book, <laughs> hot bath. Well, that's chicken saying. George certainly set the scene for you know a sort of candlelit, uh, sexy bath. <laughs> he really did. I see yeah. this as like such a '70s kind of setup. I don't know. Yeah. I, in my notes, I just have bathhouse colon bow chicka wow wow. <laughs> that's pretty much what it feels well, like to me. You, you too, Chicky. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'm really starting to wonder if maybe Jamie really wasn't joking about bathing Brienne during the maiden hole whenever they were passing oh, yeah. maiden. Oh, he totally would. You know, you know, you know, know he like, He's talking about like ba- you know scrubbing her back and everything, he and now jumped he's got on a that. chance. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, this is his dream come true because he's wanted to get her out of her clothes from like the first page of his first chapter. <laughs> and now he wanted yeah. to see what's going on underneath <laughs> all of her clothing. And, and now I think that Jamie really could use a hand, you know, especially with somebody scrubbing his back. Now Perfect. he could use a hand. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think you, Chucky, you mentioned about, you know, the whole, the birth of the ship and the whole thing about, you know, the water and the symbol of transformation. And there's all kinds of like spiritual connotations, whether, you know, George meant that or not. I mean, it's there, you know, water's kind of I the border between probably, worlds and subconscious. Yeah, I think it did mean, did mean a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty water. sure I mean, that. George meant this to be slightly more seriously than we probably take it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, because it, it's, it's, it's like a purification and a rebirth of, you know, not yeah. just oh. that ship birth, yeah, but the rebirth of Jamie kind of thing, you know. Very right. much well, so like I have a, a whole like bunch a- of... Go ahead, Whitey. Oh, I was just going to say, it's very much like a sort of baptismal thing with, yeah. uh, you know, getting oh, yes, naked yeah. in water and washing away and cleansing away the sins. It is. And, yep. and Brienne's scrubbing hers off really hard. Yeah. Oh, she is. <laughs> so Brienne, of course, reacts like anyone would and is just like, what are you doing here? And um, we find out that Jamie's supposed to have dinner with Roos and he's got to get cleaned up. And we can only imagine how disgustingly dirty he is because this is the accumulated dirt Ugh. of mm. however long he was in the dungeons of River Run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it sounds like it's pretty bad. 
actually the show did a great job of representing just how dirty Jamie oh, was. Oh, they really did. They, <laughs> they really, really did. did. And I think I remember Nikolai saying that he was um, he was quite ill when they were shooting um, the scenes oh, on yeah. the road, which uh, poor guy had to kind of be kicked around and rolling in mud. I'm sure that was a lot of fun for him. Um, but I was just I was just going to say I love here how we just mentioned. You know, he talks about how Ruth has invited him to dinner, and despite the fact that poor Jamie is probably, uh, you know, in a lot of pain, feeling very ill. He still has that snark going on where he says, you know, Lord Bolton insists I sup with him, but he neglected to invite my fleas, which is so very Jamie and something that never really leaves him, even though he's, you know, quite ill at that point. Yeah, he's he's definitely back to almost he, full snark in this He's chat. feeling a little livelier, I think, for sure. And, you know, seeing, seeing Brienne naked there in the bath probably helped. Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah. I know that it did. <laughs> so, Jamie, Jamie does something interesting. He has the the guard help him undress, and then he orders not only his own guards out, but he orders out the kind of maid slash guard who is there with Brienne as well. He clears the room. Now, I think we all know why uh, George wanted the room cleared, but like yeah. as a character, why does Jamie want the room cleared? It's really interesting that he... It, it is a little bit interesting. I mean, I guess you could sort of go the way of saying, oh, he was just kind of trying to be a little bit chivalrous and protect Brienne from being, you know, stared at. But honestly, let's face it, it's probably very self-serving. He probably wants to be the only one staring at her breasts, I imagine. It's classic It's classic pickup technique. It's isolation. You get the girl oh. isolated. Oh. The hit on her, clearly. Pretty much. It's not his first hot tub. Yeah, I mean, honestly, a little bit more seriously, I guess um, Jamie, well, we all know that they've bonded quite a lot on the road and he feels comfortable with her and he probably just wants to kind of be alone with with that and the comfort that she brings him as well. But also so he can make past comment about her being naked about 17 times. It's probably all of the above. (laughs) Jamie's very complicated. (laughs) He is. So... We see Jamie getting in the bath, and this is one of the more interesting moments in A Song of Ice and Fire, because this is a moment that we will actually revisit from another POV. Um, Brienne is going to bring this up in Feast, and I probably shouldn't talk about it too much since we will eventually get to that chapter. But it's always kind of, um, I don't know, uh, on rereads, you, you kind of feel a little bit more of Brienne's presence in this than you get when you just read it from Jamie's perspective the first time. Um, she talks about Jamie um, in the bathhouse walking through the the mist, you know, naked as his dame, ba- or sorry, name day. And then he yeah. looks like half a corpse and half, half a god. So personally, I always kind of look at it from her perspective when we get to this point as he's kind of getting into the bath and what she's thinking about. And Frankly, what we know is that she's feeling sexual attraction to him at this moment. I mean, like, do you guys think that's something that would be palpable in the air that maybe Jamie would kind of sense on a subconscious level? Or I think he I assumes think, it. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah, I because think... of his view of himself. I mean, he has a very high yeah. view of his looks. So I think he assumes I think it. he does. <laughs> I think maybe after having the hand chopped off, he may have dropped a little bit with the self-confidence. But I think that. That, the air in that room would have been absolutely filled with tension. I can't imagine otherwise. And he can, I think he can read her like a book. I mean, she pretty much, yeah. I, I get that she shows in her face very easily what's yeah. going on, you know, so he's reading her. Yeah, <laughs> she cannot hide her emotions at all. Yeah. Especially from him. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, you can definitely see there's a line where um, he's, he's talking about like, not wanting to drown in the tubs and and she's just like, why should I, I care how you die? And he's like, mm. you, swore, you swore a solemn vow. He smiled as a red flesh crept up yeah, the thick black column of her neck. Yeah. She turned and her back she, to him. Yeah, so she can't look at him. He's eating <laughs> He's eating that up. He loves it. Oh, yeah. he's, he's loving it. He's loving it. And, of course, he, you know, then, you know, starts to uh, mock her a little bit, which is great. <laughs> what is it that you think I haven't seen, Brienne? Yeah. Oh, I love the line about the thighs. What is it? Uh, your thighs are purple and green, and I'm not yes. interested in what you've got between them. <laughs> he's, yeah, which, as we find out later, he's actually quite interested in what she has between them. He is, in uh. fact, interested, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he, I, I think he says it to put her at ease and to kind of diffuse the situation. I mean, he must, yeah. you know, I, I, I think he must know that it's a sexually charged moment, and I yeah. honestly think... He might be trying to diffuse some of that sexual tension. You know, yeah, I'd be surprised, and I also feel like um, he he knows he knows Brian. He knows that this is a, a situation where she would be embarrassed because she's naked. She's in front of a man. She's I don't know. As um, was it Eon who said earlier? Maybe she's already been poked and prodded by Kyburn. Um, so yeah, I think he probably does. I don't know if it's conscious, but he's trying to put her at ease, which I think is nice. Well, this and is, I, I mean. She's still pretty young. I mean, she's yeah. Like 19. She's very yeah. This she's young. She's naive. You know, she's, she's a virgin. And, and you can kind of tell. You know, he yeah. he uses his snark to a certain extent to cover up his emotions or to or to kind of uh, oh, what I say lead people astray. You know, to not let people see what's really going on is kind of a protection for him. So oh, you know. oh, that is classic, Jamie. That is something that that is kind of like his defense mechanism for for the world. Yeah. Well. And Brienne is a teenager here. I mean, we yeah. know that. Yeah, she's, she's probably 18, maybe 19. Um, and but, not even... You know, in so many ways, Jamie's a teenager. I mean, he's only yeah. ever had moments like this with Cersei. Yeah, he, he's, yeah he's stuck at like <laughs> it's 15 true. or 17. You know, he, he is emotionally immature. Um, but I feel like Brienne has it worse because not only is she a teenager, but she's actually quite a young teenager teenager in terms of her emotions for this sort of society because she's yeah. never you know I mean by by the time you're 19 in Westeros most women would be married um and you know popping out babies but Brienne hasn't even had a had a relationship she's probably yeah she, she's never kissed anyone as far as I'm aware so she's yeah she does yeah she's very very emotionally mature and I think he does know that and I think he's you know, trying to help out as much as he has his own issues with emotional immaturity. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I love how oh, knowing that, that she's feeling kind of the sexual attraction for him, she gets a little bit caustic with him. I mean, like, obviously he's encroaching on her space and she doesn't mm-hmm. like that. And so she's just like, there are other tubs. And he's like, I want to sit here. And she's <laughs> And he's like, we, help me out talk? if I start to faint. And she's oh, like, why should I care briefly, how you die? <laughs> can we talk briefly about why he actually gets into that tub with her, considering that there are, you know, multiple Do others? It. There there are a lot of <laughs> theories about why he does. A yeah. lot of people think I mean, it's just because of the fear of fainting, but I don't even think he's no, worried about that until what? he gets in the I water. Think, you know what? That may have been partially why he gets in there. I think. Perhaps that might have been a, a slight issue for him. Honestly, though, I think it's probably more of the maybe what I touched on earlier. I think it's more comfort seeking than anything else. And yes, there might be a sexual aspect to it too. But I think, you know, at this point, 
Um, he's just so exhausted. He's, he's so overcome with emotion for it to be much else. And, and as we saw in Jamie's last chapter, Jamie and Bren have really bonded through this trauma that they've endured in a really intense way. Um, they've shared really intimate parts of themselves with each other. They've risked their lives for each other. Um, so I feel like, you know, he wants to be near her. He, he does get that comfort from her. Do you think there's an element of, you know, she's seen him at his most vulnerable. I mean, she's wiped his ass. Yeah. I mean, she's she's taken care of him and pretty much seen everything there's to see about him. I wonder how much of that is him trying to see, not like intentionally trying to torture her, but like that she's vulnerable and it maybe, I don't know, get close to that vulnerability. I don't know. <laughs> it, I mean, it might be. It might be. I mean, he might be trying to, to, to offer some comfort back. I don't know. I think... There's, there's probably multiple ways you can look at it. Does anyone else have any sort of view on that? I no, think I, it's emotional I safety. Yeah. Sorry, sorry yeah. Gail. No, what I was just, that like, It's emotional safety, I think. So yeah, I it's think not so. like literally like I'm gonna fall. I'm gonna fall in the bath. Yeah. It's more. You've been with me through all this. I feel safe with you. Absolutely. I think I do yeah. think it's a comfort seeking thing that he's doing most of all. I mean, he might also just be trying to fuck with her. I wouldn't write that off either. As I, I swear that's, yeah, that's probably a part of it. I mean, as we said, Jamie is so complicated. He's a naughty boy. He's a naughty he, he doesn't boy. know what he's doing most of the time, but you can you can see <laughs> you can see that he often has multiple motivations. Doing yeah, things. yeah, he, that's that true. he's completely unaware of. Which there's is layers yeah. upon layers. Yeah. yeah, Jamie just needed a hand. I don't get it. <laughs> He needs some scrubbing and some loving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the real world, Westeros. Anyway, no, what this were, I think you were it's saying before that, uh, you know, he when, when Brienne fails to turn back to him, he sort of gets a little bit offended and starts asking her, you know, is it my stump? What's, you know, does, does it distress you? And then as Jamie does with his whole defence mechanism, he starts sort of... Uh, I guess saying offensive things towards her about, you know, <laughs> you should be pleased. I've lost the hand I killed the king with, the hand that flung the start boy from the tower, et cetera, et cetera. And then he says the classic line which made it to the show, no wonder Renly died with you guarding him, which uh, then prompts Brienne to jump up um, in the tub in outrage, um, which is, uh, it leads to an interesting moment. Yeah, it, 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 it does. Um, <laughs> it is interesting um, what happens between them that kind of the tension escalates. Um, they kind of start trading verbal barbs back and forth here. And, um, you know, you can tell how vulnerable that Brienne feels. I mean, here she is with, you know, not only without her armor and her weapons, but she's completely nude. And, you know, they're kind of on level ground physically. And um, it does escalate quickly. And, and he sort of confronts her and it's just like you know why basically why can't you just be nice to me it's a funny thing he doesn't really treat her well but it's like he doesn't react well to the way that she reacts to him and this is just kind of an ongoing thing with them it's interesting because people always characterize Jamie and Brienne's relationship as a friendship but it's such a fraught relationship. It, it's, yeah. it's slightly more tense than friendship most of the time. I think um, we could call it a sexually charged bro TP. Yes. But what what do you guys think? Um, I mean, I know probably what you think, but what do you think is beneath all the tension between them? It, I mean, it can't all be sexual. What is 
the the main thing that is driving these constant little battles that they have. Don't you think some of it's jealousy in a way? So Brienne is a little bit jealous of Jamie in the sense that he's gotten to live this life of a knight that she would love to live. And at the same time, Jamie's jealous of Brienne in the sense that she hasn't had to deal with the conflicts of interest that he has and like with maybe some of the real world issues that she, that he has and she's been able to remain pure, which is what he would like to do. So I think there's sort of an underlying frustration that the other has gotten to live the life that the other one thinks that they would have wanted to live. Yeah. That's a really good take on it. Actually. It is, it is interesting though, that they just continue with this antagonism and we'll see that continuing even throughout this chapter. Um, so we move to this point that YD mentioned of, of him throwing his stump in her face and saying, aren't you happy I lost my hand? And he's like, no wonder Renly died with you guarding him. Um, and it's clearly a very emotionally charged moment between them. And we get to <laughs> a really pivotal paragraph. <laughs> um, YD, uh, as usual, I've asked YD to read a really um, pertinent um passage from this chapter. Why do you, would you like to read this for us? We've now reached the dramatic reading portion of the podcast. <laughs> okay, so here we go. She jerked to her feet as if he'd struck her, sending a wash of hot water across the tub. Jamie caught a glimpse of the thick blonde bush at the juncture of her thighs as she climbed out. She was much hairier than his sister. Absurdly, he felt his cock stir beneath the bathwater. Now I know I have been away too long from Cersei. He averted his eyes, troubled by his body's response. That was unworthy, he mumbled. I am a maimed man and bitter. Forgive me, wench. You have protected me as well as any man could have and better than most. Yeah, it's interesting there. Jamie does seem very troubled by that response. He is very troubled. Well, it's interesting that he, um, it's like he sees this thick blonde bush. (laughs) <laughs> he observes that she's hairier than his sister and then suddenly his yeah. cock is stirring yeah, so yet it, again we get a Cersei comparison yet uh, again yet again and always just with the Cersei another, yeah. always with the Cersei <laughs> which you know he doesn't Cersei though he has nobody else no, no, I think, that, no no I think we what? mean more along the lines of he doesn't seem to compare anyone else to Cersei it's just Brienne for some reason um and I think this is just yet another instance of Jamie being so completely focused on Brienne's body in an overtly sexual way this time. This is kind of, you know, it, we've kind of had a lot of sexual subtext running through their chapters, but this is a this is sexual text. This is Jamie, you know, getting hard from seeing Brienne naked. Oh, yeah. I mean, this whole yeah. chapter is like things like water ra- ran down Brienne's legs. I mean, yeah. everything yeah. is about her physicality yeah. in this. Like, everything. everything. He he has multiple mentions of her breasts. Yes. He talked as so yes. there before her, her, her green and purpley <laughs> thighs, um, as you say, the water running down her legs. And he's, he's trying to explain his body's reaction away to himself. You know, he'd been too long away from Cersei, um, but he remains troubled by it as if there's, there's something nagging at him, something he can't quite bring, bring to his conscious mind. Uh-huh. So I made a list <laughs> of all of the descriptions of her body that James says. Do it. Do it, Niall. Do it. And I think you'll see, you'll pretty quickly see a theme so pointy little buds thick muscular <laughs> chest thick white column of her neck muscles in her great shoulder 
Thick blonde bush, Great. meager tits, thick white legs. She has thicker shoulders than I do and a bigger neck. So basically, I think he likes it thick. He likes it thick. <laughs> thick and white. I mean, I, I'm fairly sure that Jamie, you know, at, you know, during dinner with Roos, then goes on to think about, you know, Roos's thick shoulders and his pretty, pretty eyes. Yep. And so his thank you for hands. the prompt. So his his description. I mean, well, his description of Roos is basically his eyes are paler than stone and darker than milk, and he has pale I mean, fingers. That's so. Right. It's basically the same. <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing. Oh, it's pretty much the same thing. So, so pretty much, he just observes Brienne the same way that he observes everyone else that he anyone else we're finding, right? Clearly, yeah. and because of like, course we run into constant. Well, you hear a lot of interpretations of this paragraph of of Jamie's awkward boner, as we often call it. You'll hear the fanboys who just aren't really interested in romance and anything who will kind of dismiss this as. You know George R. R. Martin be really being really great at uh, realistic world building, and that it's similar right. to the way that he describes feasts and describes several courses of food and things like that. That this is just part of reality that, uh-huh. that George is layering in for us. <laughs> yes, men, men just get random bonus. I feel like well, I think Eon did some research into yes. that. Well, see, what I did was I actually asked my husband a hypothetical question. <laughs> He's going to kill me, I swear. Oh, Mr. I e. Him, <laughs> I asked him if you were naked in a tub with a woman that you found unattractive, would you get a boner? <laughs> and he That's said awesome. he said no. <laughs> but he, he, he did. Outrageous. He did but what say if his this, hand though? was cut off? <laughs> he, he did say that like settling into a nice warm bath would most likely give him a boner though because guys sometimes have random boners like that are like yes but then presumably like, it would have happened presumably oh, it would yes. have happened when he hopped, See, when he hopped the into thing. the tub yes it would have if it if he would have had a boner that was like non-sexually uh, stimulated. It would have happened whenever he settled into the water. Ooh. The thing is, George never wrote about that. And I did look into. Yes. <laughs> I looked into like on average, like the male, the, the human male actually yeah. gets up to 11 boners during the day. That's fantastic. And I told my <laughs> husband this and he says, I he told me that he thinks he gets more than that, and sometimes he's <laughs> just walking around. So everyone, this is this is you have actually heard yes. the beginning so. of Eon and Mister Eon's divorce. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, though, if George really wanted to write about a platonic boner, he could have had Jamie waking up one morning and yes. seeing his pants tinted up, you know, and maybe Brienne's yeah. reaction to that. But no, he had to have this certain scene the with Jamie is, looking at her bush. The thing is with the people that try and explain these things away by saying, you know, men often get random boners. Jamie's been deprived of Cersei for a year. You need to take, and we did discuss this last week, you need to take these instances in conjunction with everything else that George has written about the way that Jamie responds sexually to Brienne, the way that he is constantly thinking about her in this chapter, constantly looking at her naked body and, yes. and thinking about constantly making comparisons with his lover. Um, you know, it's it's 
it's so frequent. It is blatant, and I I can't understand. You can't you can't take just one thing that happens and explain it away by saying you know George is just world building. This is something that sometimes happens to guys. You need to look at the bigger picture, and looking at the bigger picture paints a really clear picture of you know a guy who is is clearly sexually attracted to this woman he may not realize it consciously but he's if you look at just his actions that is what's happening yeah he's not just world building he's building clues towards the end story i mean he's building the plot i mean he's building building a foundation romantic and sexual (laughs) relationship between jamie and brute well of course guys there are people who will say there's another side of this that's not the fanboy side it's um a different kind of fangirl side And those people would say that this boner is in fact about Cersei and how long he's been away from Cersei. I'm kind of jumping off from what he (laughs) says. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, you can kind of see where they're jumping off from because he does say, you know, now I've been away too long or whatever. Personally, I always have read this as... Um, him trying to find some reasonable explanation for this boner yeah. that is clearly oh, yeah. caused by Brienne, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. himself otherwise. Well, I yeah. mean, why else would he be saying that he's so troubled by it? I mean, if it's just a, a response to thinking about Cersei and being too long away from her, then, you know, it's not really a big deal. It's not like he's sexually attracted to this giant, ugly woman with her, <laughs> you know, with her pale, thick thighs and her small teeth. <laughs> <and> her- <laughs> Her rippling muscles yeah. and her pretty, pretty so eyes. not into it. Are they not getting the function? And I'm not even trying to be smart, but I think they're kind of missing the point of the POV. And as he said many times, you know, that whole, like, you know, you, you're talking about the character, what they're thinking about themselves. And that's not always what the reality is, you know? It's, no, well, that's the thing. It's, it's kind of a, I mean, Jamie... <laughs> Jamie is not a reliable narrator because mm-hmm. he doesn't have a good grasp on his thoughts. Yeah. Um, Jamie and is very much action-oriented and you have to look at his actions because, he, as we yeah. were talking about before, he is emotionally immature. He doesn't really understand what's going on. He knows that he's troubled for some reason, but he's not entirely sure why. And George has made it clear that I mean, he used POV for a reason. If he didn't want to do it this way, he would have just done what the gods are. You know, he would have done another way where you'd say, okay, clearly Jamie does not have feelings for Brett. You know what I mean? He wouldn't have, you know, yeah. Yeah, well, and if we really want to go down, you know, if we really want to go down the well, too, I mean, there's George Martin's own personal history, which his current wife, I think he met. Oh, yeah. He loves this. I love this story. He was in a hot tub, and I can't think of, Chicky, maybe you can think of the exact phrasing. I don't know. Um, He came to attention, I believe, is what he wrote. (laughs) That is what he wrote, yeah. So he met his wife. He met Asana, I think. And she came walking through the steam, I think, is the terminology yeah. he uses. And what was wasn't he yeah, was with pretty. another woman at the time, as in he, he was, was in a relationship? He, he was, was in a relationship. Yeah, it didn't go anywhere. He 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 mm. did, though, imply that, well, he said he came to attention, and I don't know how else to read that. I don't <laughs> of know. Really dirty mind, before. Oh, really, Eon? Oh, it's a great no, story. Never. That's <laughs> fabulous. So yeah, he was, he was with it. He was... In a relationship at the time, which didn't go anywhere. That's interesting. Is no, I think he of... married the person he was in the relationship with, yes, actually. But, uh, yeah, but then... Then they divorced. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> basically. Which I guess you could argue that Jamie and Cersei are pretty much uh, common-law married anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, anyway, right. I digress. <laughs> 
as usual. But if, if you want to talk about like Brienne's attraction, I mean, he just recalls Jamie being naked. She doesn't mention his confession about Aries or anything. She's just really talking about how he looked whenever he was stepping into that pool. Oh, yeah. yeah, not yeah. only does she, yeah, not only does she remember him naked, but he's half a god, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> which half? <laughs> the bottom half <laughs> so we see Jamie kind of uh, move beyond the boner which I guess we have to do too as Aww. little as we want to I've still got 10 more pages of notes <laughs> <laughs> live podcast that's what <laughs> So he apologizes, actually, for what he's just said to her. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry. I'm maimed. I'm bitter. Forgive me. He does throw in a winch. He can't completely be nice. But he's like, (laughs) you protected me as well as any man could have and better than most. And this is after she's jumped out of the water and she's wrapping a towel around herself. And she just goes, do you mock me? And it's funny. We don't really get um, a read on on what her tone of voice is with that. And it's like, we really don't know. Is she angry? Is she confused? It's it's difficult to say. I mean, like, put yourself in Brienne's shoes. What do you think she's thinking at this moment? I feel like she's probably a little bit of both. Maybe a, a little bit angry, a little bit confused, um, because she's so, I guess, unused to people being kind to her. And that is essentially what he's doing by telling her that, you know, she protected him as well as any man could have. Uh, what I find more interesting is the way that Jamie responds to her asking if he's mocking her and the way that he, you know, becomes really angry about it because yet again we have another instance of Brienne sort of not trusting him, not taking him at his word, and that really, really yeah. bugs him. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you can understand where she's coming from because she's clearly mm. getting mixed signals from yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and she's clearly feeling things that she's not accustomed to feeling herself. <laughs> <laughs> it's much like Jamie. It's and so, of course, Jamie goes from this apology and, and kind of trying to... I don't know what he was trying to do. It's hard to say. Was he just trying to be nicer to her or was it something related to the boner that made him want to be nicer? It's hard to know, but Maybe suddenly he he's angry again. Into it's... The tub. Yeah. <laughs> she wanted, he wanted, he wanted her to get, he back, into her to get back into the tub. Back in. sad because she might leave him. Well, you guys, she wrapped her nakedness in a towel. He made a point of noting that. So he's clearly worried about it. Yeah. Like, Unpack the towel, Brienne. Unwrap it. He keeps really careful track of her nudity. How, how is he, yes. he going to you know, make comment about her small teats if she's wrapped in a towel? <laughs> Did you lose the towel? So he's angry again. <laughs> he's angry because she's like questioning his motives. Um, and suddenly he's, you know, making fun of her. Are you as thick as a castle wall? And he's like, I was apologizing and I'm sick of fighting. And can we make a truce? And, of course, she responds with, um, truces are built on trust. And she goes, would you have me trust? And he cuts her off. He knows what she's going to say. He knows she's going to call him the Kingslayer or an Oathbreaker or something. And he just cuts her off with it um, and jumps straight into, yeah, I'm the Kingslayer. I'm the Oathbreaker. I murdered Aerys Targaryen. And suddenly (laughs) he's just got things bubbling out of him he starts talking about um that it's not 
it's not Eris that he regrets killing. It's it's that he didn't kill Robert that he regrets. And he talks a little about about Robert calling him the Kingslayer, and and things are starting to come up. And he's like, oh, why doesn't anybody call Robert an Oathbreaker? Chicky, did did you just say things are starting to come up? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I <sure> did. <laughs> But it's interesting that she is pushing his buttons. I mean, granted, he's pushing her buttons, too. And then all of a sudden, he's talking about all of this other stuff. I mean, we knew when he got into the bath, he said he felt a little bit feverish. And I think he said he felt dizzy. But he doesn't mention that at this moment. He just kind of starts spouting off about all this other stuff. Um, And then the next thing we know, you know, Brienne's kind of retorting back and saying, Listen, Robert did everything he did for love, you know, kind of implying, unlike you, Jamie. Yeah. And um, that is takes... such a Brienne thing to say as well, because it is. It's, yeah. it's, it shows kind of how truly romantic yeah. and idealized her views are. I mean, you know, herself, she did all she did for love by following Renly. So, of course, you know, she's going to grasp to the idea that Robert did all he did for love. So that's excusable yeah, to Brienne. Which is interesting yeah, because like, Jamie's excuse is that he does everything he does for love. So, you yes, know. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the thing. They are actually very similar with that. Yeah. That oh, yeah. Not the Brianna. Huh? I thought I saw Guile uh, trying to break it. Yeah, I think Guile was trying to talk. Guile? I had nothing. Oh. <laughs> it, it was the It was the Claude. It was the Yeah. It must have been What did you have to say? Claude says that actually... <laughs> we should probably explain that Claude is Guile's cat. <laughs> Claude is Guile's cat, and we expect him to participate yes. in podcasts. He has he's been he has been meowing. I feel like he's like uh-huh. he's working up to something. So I feel like maybe he's a Roose Bolton fan, and he's waiting for the Roose section. <laughs> we can't okay. wait. We can't wait for the Claude contribution. <laughs> so anyway. Brienne and Jamie basically start arguing about what is essentially the mythos um, of Robert's rebellion. You know, Brienne saying, oh, Robert did everything he did for love. And Jamie's like, whatever. <laughs> Robert, Robert did everything he did for pride and a cunt and a pretty face. And he's getting really upset. Um, he remembers he doesn't have a hand. And Brienne just keeps goading him and is like, no, Robert was trying to save the realm. And Jamie, how, just- how frustrating would that have been for Jamie to hear for, to have people think, you know, it was Robert that wrote to save the realm. And, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. it's Jamie who acted oh. to save the realm. Uh, exactly. And that's, that's his tipping point, really, isn't it? He has to tell her why. He has to tell her what happened and why he did it. So why does she need to know, do you think? Well, yeah, why does she need to know? <laughs> Why, after all this time, and of all the people uh, Jamie could have talked to about this, why is it Brienne? Why is it Brienne who gets it? Why is it Brienne who goads him into this, what is essentially a confession? I think, yet again, this is uh, this is just further evidence of Jamie, yeah. I guess, really just respecting the hell out of her. He sees, you know, how staunchly loyal and... and and honest she is and he sees the knight in her that he wanted to be and he really really just wants her to give some reciprocal respect back I think I mean that's 
that's clearly true when you see the way he reacts when Brienne insults him or mocks him or calls him Kingslayer. And it's funny because yet again, Jamie doesn't even understand why all of a sudden the words start gushing out of him. He's, you know, he says to himself, why am I telling this absurd, ugly child? But then immediately continues on with his story without pause. So poor Jamie has no idea why he's telling his story. I think we probably have a better grasp of it. I think he feels really comfortable with Brienne. And besides, they bonded during this journey. Brienne's like the first person that he's become close to that isn't a family member. Mm. And I don't really see him telling Xerxes or Tyrion these things. And mm. I don't That's think... That's an interesting point. I wonder you know, why he never told Cersei or Tyrion. Yeah, and and he's such what a, do you guys think? He's such a talkative person. Like, that's the thing that gets mm. me, and I, I keep going back to when I was reading this. And, you know, there's that... It, there's a really strong literary device of repetition in a lot of either the books and a lot of the POVs, but especially in Jamie's. And you've got to think, this person, I mean... I don't know. He likes to talk. Can you imagine keeping that kind of information secret yeah. from the people you love the most? Like that's monumentous that he would choose to tell Brienne. Yeah. And I have a couple of <laughs> no. I was just going to say I have a couple of theories in relation to why he he didn't share before this. I feel like perhaps generally he didn't say anything because he may have still been trying to keep his king's secrets even sort of from the grave, which is. An yeah. interesting thing, considering that, that Jamie was the one to kill him. But I feel like maybe he was grasping at, I guess, his last I mean, maybe, <laughs> his last I, duty as, as, a, as a Kingsguard member. Not, would you not say to possibly? Tell. But, well, I, mean, yeah. I think there's – I think, look, it's it's a possible theory. I think there are multiple things that, that could be true. I think – Do you a secret feeling that Cersei really wouldn't, like, in his subconscious he knew? I mean, can you imagine her reaction? I mean, do well, maybe I part like, of him knew she'd like, have a shitty reaction to him? <laughs> With Cersei, I think it's a bit different because yeah. when you look at the relationship between Jamie and Cersei, he's sort of, I guess, always been her shining knight. He's always been acting um, as her protector. So I feel like he maybe wouldn't have wanted to tell her things that might have tarnished that that point of view that she has about him. Uh, it couldn't it just be that he knows that she wouldn't be that impressed that he yeah, that well, many I, times? I, I, she I, care? I think she'd be shitty <laughs> about that, it. <laughs> she'd say she something be. shitty. I think it's absolutely true. I think that's also (laughs) – I think that is probably a good gauge of what her reaction might have been. And I think Um, with Tyrion – Tyrion was really young at the time. He was young at the time. I think with Tyrion that he feels too much guilt with Tyrion to try to paint himself as a hero to Tyrion. I mean, he knows what he did to hear – he knows what he did and – I mean, how many try- years older is he? How many is he like eight years? I think older? he's nine years older Tyrion. than Tyrion. Yeah, so, so Tyrion so would have been yeah. eight, and he but wouldn't I mean, have told him later. I don't think. Right. Well, he wouldn't have told him later because I think that you know he knows what he did, how he contributed to what happened to to Tisha, Tisha. I don't know how to say her name, and I think he would feel incredibly hypocritical painting himself as a hero. And I mean, Jamie's many things, but I don't think he's a hypocrite. No, he's not. No, that's one thing he's definitely not. Yeah. Well, that was a really interesting discussion, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, love that. I think we've, I've, I was going to say more, but I think we filled our heiress quota. <laughs> I mean, I think we did. There's a lot of exposition in this whole heiress confession. And, you know, a lot of it is about filling in some blanks that you have about Robert's rebellion. And a lot of it is about setting up what's going to happen in future books. Um, you know, you kind of touch on John Connington and just everything about, you know, 
Eris's final days, the final days of the Targaryen dynasty. Um, but one of the things that's, I think, most clear as you're listening to Jamie tell the story of, of Eris's downfall is just how young Jamie was and the yeah. position that yeah. he was in. God. Yes. Where he yeah. ends up the only Kingsguard left in King's Landing when yeah. King's Landing finally comes under attack. And the attack actually comes from Jamie's own father, who yeah. was led into King's Landing as as a savior and and turned on Eris. Um it's interesting we we see Jamie say, you know, he says it offhandedly, but he says that the defense of the Red Keep was left up to him. Mm. Imagine that, the 17-year-old kid yeah. is, is basically well, in charge with the final defense of the Targaryens. It's it's yeah, crazy. You've got to, to, you've got to think about the, the situation that Jamie's in. So he was 17, wasn't he, at the time? Yeah. And, you know, here he is, having stood by Eris for, what, two years, watching, you know, his king's further descent into paranoia, into madness, standing by while Eris does all these horrific acts, raping his wife, burning people alive. And here's Jamie standing by his king, not once intervening, though it's, you know, he desperately wants to. It's breaking his heart. It's breaking his soul. Um, and now, you know, the rebels are invading. His father is invading. Ares is about to send King's Landing up in flames, killing thousands of innocents. And then, you know, his king tells him to bring him his father's head. I can only imagine how Jamie was feeling at this time. Oh, yeah. And why do you think, I mean, I'm curious what you guys think about this. And I, I kind of, I guess it's something I thought of before, but it was, I was reading this again. You know, I know the whole keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. And I get, you know, but why would he, what, uh, would he really trust Jamie? I, I know that he did it and this is his choice, but why would he trust Jamie not to somehow get information out to Tywin? Like how, I don't, I don't get why he would trust I, this. Honestly, I, mean, I, I, I know what crazy? you're saying, Clotho. It's like yeah. Eris is making a really dumb move, yeah, keeping yeah, Jamie this close since Jamie's loyalties. He, he even knows probably lay elsewhere. He's keeping yeah. him close to keep an eye on him. And he's letting yeah. him see everything. Like, well, he's talking about all the plans. He's not even trying. I mean, to, yeah. I guess you've got to take into take Ares' madness into consideration. Yeah, yeah I think not, it's meant to be a sign of that, actually. I think it's meant to be another, like, <laughs> yeah. glar- glaring, yeah. pointing finger well, at Ares being completely mad. By and I also head. think it's the black, you know, it's the black and whiteness of the Kingsguard. Like, no one actually expects the Kingsguard to make a decision that is against the king. Okay. And I think yeah. everyone's well, very secure in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I he's, think Ares was concerned about it because he's that, so paranoid. You know, he, he does keep Jamie close for that reason, right? He's keeping Jamie so that Tywin doesn't try to side with the with Robert. Yeah, also, also, it's the same reason, like um, that he Ilya's there. Yeah, that Ilya's there to keep Dorne in check. I mean, I get that, but like, why have him see all the yeah, plans? Why let him why hear the these fire? secret plans? Why the, yeah, it's, yeah. it's well, almost I mean, implied. You know, it's interesting. Varys comes up a couple of times in the midst of this whole Eris thing. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's almost implied that even Varys doesn't know about these secret caches of wildfire that Eris has ordered. You know, all put all over King's Landing. Um, and Jamie is at a level of closeness that yes. almost no one else is. It is like hand personally, I think level, it's just you know? a sign of Eris's madness that he knows he should suspect Jamie, and yet at the same time he's letting him hear all this stuff. Madness, Doesn't, yeah. Doesn't that 
doesn't that make any of y'all nervous that like there are these hidden caches of wildfire yeah, that nobody has found? Oh, yeah. Jamie, Jamie knows about them. <laughs> you know, but there's there's actually a lot of backlash against Jamie over these caches of wildfire. A lot there's a there are pockets of fandom. Um, and I don't think they're Jamie fans to begin with, but they're actually very <laughs> angry that Jamie has never told anyone about these caches of wildfire because wildfire is famously unstable and they could kind of go off at any time. Right. And Jamie keeping shtum about this means that it's kind of a, a threat that hangs over King's Landing to this day. Well, how do we know that Jamie in the intervening 17 years has not taken care of this? I think we know because Tyrion um, talks to one of the remaining pyromancers who finds one of the caches and uses it during the Battle of the Blackwater. So I think that they still exist. And I kind of think Varys doesn't know about them because it seems like something Varys may have taken care of if he was aware of it. Um, Of course, we also don't know that Jaime knows where they are. So it may be a situation where Jaime doesn't... While Jamie knows that they're all over the city, he may not specifically know where they are, so he couldn't really do anything about it anyway. My theory is Jamie kept quiet because he thought it's more dangerous for people to even know that they exist at all. Yeah. Um, well, and to be fair, he killed the rest of the pyromancers that knew about it. So I did. think from that's his true. perspective, he that's would think, true. well, no one else knows what this is. No one else is going to set it off. Yeah, I, I kind of I, I agree with you, Gal. I, I think the same thing. I think he thought he did the right thing. I don't think he thought that he was leaving this like continuing threat for taking King's time, Landing. Mom. No, yeah. absolutely. Which, of course, I mean, will go off. Would have, yeah, why would he have even bothered to kill Eris and you know <laughs> hunt down the rest of the pyromancers if he was you know not that concerned about the rest of the wildfire going on? Just a vague threat, whatever. <laughs> that's actually um, somewhere down the line. <laughs> That's something that George has put into the narrative because, you know, the books are going to end with just everything going up in flames. Oh, I didn't think It's a theory that's out there for sure. (laughs) It's going down. So it's funny. um, By the time Jamie is done telling the story of killing Eris and killing all of the pyromancers, um, his bathwater has grown cool. So it it feels like a while when you're reading it, and it must have been a while as he was relating it as well. (laughs) and he kind of uh, comes to and looks at his stump and he goes, uh, well, you know, I've lost this hand. It was the hand that made me the Kingslayer. But, um, you know, it was also the hand that made him the powerful Jamie Lannister. And now he says he's lost both his glory and his shame at once. And he's like, okay, so what's left? Who am I now? And um, very much like you were talking about earlier, Clotho, I read this as a very baptismal kind of thing. I mean, we know that you've read articles that uh, GRM has a Christian Catholic background. So I'm sure that this is kind of a baptismal metaphor. It kind of has to be. Um, Do you guys think, I mean, like, is there any chance we talked about this a little earlier, but is there any chance that he would have made this confession and had this moment in his story, um, even if Brienne didn't exist in it? Would he have gone back to King's Landing and had this moment with Cersei, do you think, at this time? No. 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 Hundred no. percent no. <laughs> this is Brienne only. <laughs> yes. Well, I think it's someone that I mean, it's definitely you know, he had seventeen years to have this moment with Cersei. He there's no reason to have it now. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean I guess you could say that he's in a very specific state here. He's unwell, he's fevered. He's just really gone through a huge amount of trauma and he's just very, very fed up. But, 
Yeah, I, I, I tend to think that Brienne, out of all those things, probably prompted his confession the most. So it's difficult to say whether it would have come out at another time in another place. But I don't know, shipper goggles, I'd like to think no. <laughs> <laughs> so even though he's feeling a little faint, he happens to notice that <laughs> Brienne is standing there, still holding the towel and covering her boobs, which I think he'd like to see, even though he doesn't say that. I and love he, that he keeps saying that they're so small. I think he protests a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> he talks about her boobs a lot in this chapter. He really For somebody does. who doesn't seem to like her boobs. Yes. Um, and he about talks about... Yeah, her teeth. Oh, the teeth. The worst possible she's, she's a cat. He said that word like four times. He does. Because he notices her boobs so much. <laughs> the pointy little boobs, that's cute. Or pointy little buds, actually. He's so detailed. Boobs. He is so oh, detailed. Totally. That's really complimentary. <laughs> Comparatively, yes. I know, buds. Buds is nice. It's romantic. Pointy. <laughs> Pointy seems good. They're aggressively pointing at him. Oh, God. Accusing. We've reached, we've reached, we've reached that portion of the podcast. So, Brienne, um, clearly trying to take in everything that he's told her and probably knowing that no one knows what he's just said. She's like, if this is true, how come no one knows? And Jamie gets kind of mocking and he's kind of like, oh, you know, I was sworn to keep the king's secrets. And he's like, do you want me to break my oath? But it's hard to know. And you touched on this. I think it was you, YD, who touched on it earlier. It's hard to know. Is is he serious? Is he serious that he wanted yeah. to keep Eris's secrets? Or is this just I mean, something that hadn't come up? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a possibility. I think, as I was saying, there's probably multiple reasons behind it. I think, I don't know. I think there's probably even a little bit of... Jamie being very young, he's he's a Lannister. He might have been a little bit too proud to even condescend to explain his actions, particularly to Ned Stark, because he he sort of <clears throat> bursts in there already disapproving. Uh, so yeah, it's difficult to tell. Um, yeah, and he does jump straight into the Ned Stark issue. <laughs> he really like, does, and that is obviously, I mean, it's a huge sore spot for him. It is, it is, and it was in the first book, you know, for Ned. Jamie was a huge sore spot. They clearly just, <laughs> I'm going to say this in the boner chapter, but they rubbed each other the wrong way. <laughs> I mean, like, they, they really did. <laughs> you mean much like Jamie and Brienne rub each other the wrong way? And the so, <laughs> Jamie gets all self-righteous and is like trying to stand up and he's like, by what right does the wolf judge yeah. the lion? And he's he's kind of going off and he is trying to get out of the tub, I guess, but accidentally, like, smacks his stump and basically starts to pass out. And um, Brienne has to, like, catch him and haul him out of the bath. And we get another pretty big shipper moment, I think, here, because we get yet another comparison to Cersei. But for some reason, this one comes out favorably for Brienne. And it's interesting that this happens as soon as this bath and the confession are over. And um, she's hauling him out, and he's like, oh, she's clammy but she's strong and and she's gentle and then he's like oh she's gentler than cersei uh-huh. yeah. um, <laughs> it's great that he finally worked around to that because you know all the other comparisons to cersei have made brienne look silly um but this one kind of goes brienne's way and then and it's, interesting, Bri- it's sort of interesting the way that he he says in a favorable way she's strong and gentle it's kind of like a 
sort of the beginning of that whole almost a beauty, almost a night thing that happens with his dream. You know, those are two things that he actually, I think, need or wants in a woman. He wants her to be strong, but he also wants her to have that gentle side, which which Bran has. He likes the thickness and everything. So now he likes the rippling <laughs> muscles. He does, and they're gentle. <laughs> he loves them. <laughs> so Brienne calls for the guards, and she's like, "Guards, the Kingslayer!" And this yeah. is as Jamie's ready to pass out. He's like, thinking to himself, "Jamie, my name is Jamie." Curtis <laughs> feelings. I absolutely love this. We have this moment. It says things about both of them. Um, you've got Brienne, who has just heard Jamie bear his soul. Um, he's, she's seeing another side to him now. You know, maybe he's actually a little bit of a hero. And I think that coupled with the probably, well, definitely sexual feelings that she's feeling for him definitely. has given her so much emotion that she needs to distance herself and she immediately reverts to calling him the Kingslayer. And then we've got Jamie thinking to himself, my name's Jamie, just call me Jamie, okay? I've, I've shown you who I really am. You know, he really wants her to, to understand him, to, to stop thinking of him as a Kingslayer, to start seeing him as, as the knight, I guess, that he wanted to be. So a really clever exchange, I think, from George. I mean, do there. you guys have any sense of like, I mean, it seems like really informal. Like I get that they very formally address each other. So for him to say he wants to call her by first name and not, so, you know, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like I think it's really informal way that he would – Want it that is. closeness? Oh, you mean instead of, her, instead of thinking Sir Jamie? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like he wants her to think of Jamie. You know, that's very, yeah. very like, non-typical. <laughs> I, think- I personally read this as just kind of a distillation of everything that just yeah. happened. I think this is coming about because from their first interaction, she's called him the Kingslayer, and she has judged him as that, and it has bothered him since he met her, and of course, he mm-hmm. doesn't know why. But I think he reaches this moment where he's like, God, I've just told you all of this and you're still calling me Kingslayer. And I think so much of it, you know, sure, there's a broader thing. This is something he's been dealing with for years. But I think so much of it is just focused on Brienne herself. He can't stand that she thinks of him this way. He can accept it from other people. And they're like fully stripped down. I really, I don't think it was really personal whenever Brienne shouted the Kingslayer. I think it was more of a way to get the attention of the guards. If she would have screamed, Jamie needs help, they probably <laughs> wouldn't have registered that. But if she screams the Kingslayer, they're going to be running in. So I think, yeah, it was kind of crappy that she called him the Kingslayer after this whole pivotal moment. But I think she really just shouted the, the Kingslayer to get the attention of the guards. I actually think that it's not necessarily directed at Brienne, but it's more of this end of his rebirth. I mean, this whole scene, I mean, we've talked about like a baptism, but I also think there's a lot of imagery of it being a rebirth. Like when he first starts talking, one of the notes I had was, he says he floated in heat in memory and it, Mm. it felt like a womb. Like he's, he's being, he's literally being reborn. And one of the thoughts that he has before that is, who am I now? And so then when he is thinking, Jamie, Jamie, I feel like that's him answering that question. Like, no, I'm not going to be the Kingslayer anymore. I'm Jamie. And so I don't know that it's directed to her. I think it's a really good point. I think that it is probably directed at her as well. But I, I think that's actually a really good point. He is now reclaiming his name. He's reclaiming his identity. He's no longer the Kingslayer. He's Jamie. 
Well, and I think the womb thing is a really good point because, you know, there's mm. kind of this thing where it's like he, he can't really walk. His legs are wobbly. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like a know, helpless it baby. It is all very... Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, uh, the water, like the whole bath and water, like water represents the feminine, the subconscious. It, and that whole set is like that idea is like womb-like in there, you know? Well, if you wanted to really take it further, I mean, when you think about, okay, this is going to get really weird, sorry, but when you think about, <laughs> we love weird, everyone prepare, um, when you think about Brienne, you know, he's half a god, half a corpse, and some of Jamie's memories are, he was guarding his liege like he's dead, and so he has all these motifs of, oh, of death. Yes. He refers to and himself then, as still as a corpse. I have that right. noted. So he, still as so a corpse. So he refers to himself as a corpse. Then he has yes. the boner. Then he's reborn. <laughs> re- 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 he's in the re- womb. Re- yeah, and then he's reborn. And then he's very helpless. Act, you know, he's very helpless yeah. after the bath, like yeah. a baby. So, I mean, there's this whole cycle of death to conception to, um, I can't think of what it's called when you're in the womb. Gestation. Gestation. Thank you. It's funny, actually, because that that theme does continue also. You know, once he's out of the bath and he needs Brienne's help to Right. He's very much like a baby. And all along, she's had a sort of maternal, like when she was taking care of him when he was, you know, when they were bloody mummers. I mean, there's been this thing. And I know in the show they used, when she was holding him, they directly were influenced by the Pieta. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Oh, absolutely. They, they, you know, I, I, saw that, I saw that post, and that is spot on, I think. It's like, uh, yeah, all these things. Wow. <laughs> I love well, that. The she idea. does take oh. care of him like a baby. She she, she has does. to, like, dress him, and Kyburn shows yeah. up to make sure she that he's going to survive. She makes him take his medicine. Yeah, yeah she yeah. makes him take his medicine. Yeah. And he, like, it's doesn't very... want it. She's like, take it. <laughs> she's giving yeah. him, I mean, people, you know, he, she's giving him everything he did not get with Cersei. There's no indication that he got any of this treatment from Cersei ever. I mean, I'd like to well, see I, it if it's there, but there's no evidence no, of it. No, I couldn't imagine <laughs> yeah. Cersei doing that at all. What's, um, I guess, <laughs> becoming a bit more shippery as well. Um, you think about, uh, oh, wow, well, I've just... Man, I've totally lost my train of thought. That's I'm fine. Trying. Don't worry. Oh no, here we go. Here we'll we go. I've got it. It's <laughs> yeah, it's got it. We'll fill in. We've got more. We've got more birth imagery. <laughs> yes. It yes. was what I was going to say. Sorry, is that when Brienne, when he sort of goes all faint and whatnot, and Brienne is uh, sort of rushing to help him. She's completely naked, having just come out of the bath. Um, but As she's she totally thinking. unaware of it, oh, which is, yeah, yeah. when you think about it, it is a huge deal for Brienne considering how self-conscious she is about her body. Mm-hmm. Um, she must be truly, truly concerned about what's going on with Jamie. And funnily enough, Jamie, despite the fact that he's just about to faint, seems to notice that she's naked despite Brienne not noticing. <laughs> oh, yeah, he notices that she doesn't notice. He totally notices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he actually says, she doesn't know, but I do. I notice. <laughs> So, <laughs> so she has to clean him up. She has, to, and she's been doing this, God, for two chapters now. Cleaning him, yeah. she's trimming his beard, she's dressing him, um, <laughs> and then they they bring in clothes Sorry, for her. I'm just- just remembering that conversation we had yesterday, Shaki, about, you know, oh. when she's washing and finishing washing him, we were like, did she wash the package? We just wanted to know. Oh. You know she did. <laughs> she had to. You know it needs oh. to be cleaned because of things that we know happened after his hand was cut off. Yes. He needed to be bathed there. You know she did it. Come on. You know, I know it. You know it. <laughs> anyway, 
<laughs> so they they bring in this hideous pink dress for Brian. It sounds like the clothes that they have for Jamie are fine, but he's like <laughs> looking at her in this dress and he's just like, oh gosh, I know why she wears the mail because she looks terrible in this. So she got dressed in front of him? Like, she got dressed in front of him, right? It seems like she got dressed in front of him. It's like she just let all that go, almost. He might have actually helped her get dressed. That's just Oh, God. Yeah, because Brian needed a hand that time. (laughs) Just the one, though. Jamie only has one, but I'm sure he would help. Oh, God. It's happening again. (laughs) I knew there would anyway, be giggling on this podcast. Anyway, so she gets dressed. She's <laughs> she in a horrible dressed. pink dress. <laughs> and they've got to go have dinner with Roos. I mean, at some point we find out that Brienne is also supposed to go to this dinner. And, um, of course, Jamie's still weak like a little baby, continuing that <laughs> ongoing theme. Yeah. And um, he can hardly walk. And <laughs> he's like, he's like, I can walk. I can I can walk there. And then he's like, Brian, help me walk. <laughs> yeah. like, I know. It's like, I can walk, you guys. Brian, give me your arm. Yeah. <laughs> and then he clutches her. He's leaning on Brian all the way to this dinner. And then we get to this Roose Bolton dinner, which is, oh, there are a lot of things going on here. We've got um, some more hints for just the reader in general about what's about to go on with the Red Wedding. This is kind of the purpose that Jamie is serving at at this moment in the story is also to kind of um, clue you into what might be going on with the Red Wedding. Although it's interesting, most people don't really pick up the first time through exactly what is going on with Roos here. I didn't. Yeah, I don't think I did. I had to (laughs) read. A lot of people don't. You're going to get so much more on a reread. Um, So (laughs) Roos gets them in there and he's, he's trying to feel Jamie out because um, it's pretty clear that Roos has been in communication with Tywin and um, probably has some kind of deal kind of lined up with Tywin, but Jamie and the loss of his uh, hand have really gummed up the works, um, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, we find Jamie playing, again, this political game, this brain game. He's got to figure out what Roos's deal is and kind of see how he's going to make it you know get out of here and get back to King's Landing he knows he's got to navigate these political waters um, it's interesting to see Jamie matched up against Roos they're such completely different people yeah I Roos is all very very political and calculating and Jamie's well you know he's not oblivious but he's just not into the whole political discourse he's lackadaisical he really is. Yeah, he just yeah. does not care about he any of this. at all. Yeah. Yeah. Do you so think we that's just, I felt like he's sort of into it. Do you like think so? he, Yeah, like, I mean, he's really participating in this conversation with Roos. Like, he gets I mean, it. He is. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, he, he, he totally gets, gets it. it. He does. Yeah. It's just, it's not, he's not really of the mind. It's not like that. Well, it's not like his goal. Like his goal is not power, so like the politics aren't going to be right, that right. important right. to him, but I mean he totally he's totally gets it. No, I totally he agree. I, he yeah. doesn't he, understand he, his he heart. He's actually he's actually a lot more politically savvy than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Yeah. I, I just yeah. I'm just saying and I think what you were saying is true. He's he's not into power. That's not his thing. So yeah. politics isn't isn't something he really enjoys playing, but he certainly can hold his own. 
Well, and especially when his life is on the line, which I think Absolutely. he kind yeah. of recognizes it is here. Mm. Um, go ahead, have, Ian. Oh, you, and then you have poor Brienne. She's totally naive. I mean, everything is oh, going God. over her no, head. She has no and idea. Honest, honestly, I mean, if you jump a couple chapters whenever they do get to King's Landing and Jamie puts her into, like, the, the top cells in, in the dungeons, it's almost like it really, after seeing this whole... Um, the, these last couple pages with between Roos and Jamie, it's probably a good thing she is in those dungeons yeah, <laughs> later yeah. on. Yeah, because, I think. Mean, yeah. I mean, what? Brienne is not equipped for this. No. no, she's she's really politically naive, and we've seen this before. Um, it's interesting to to contrast them as the dinner progresses, because as it goes along, Jamie, you can see Jamie is is developing a greater understanding of, of Bruce's intentions. And Brienne stays completely oblivious. And it gets to the stage where Brienne is staunchly saying, I, you know, I, I work for the Starks. I'm loyal to the Starks. And Jamie actually has to tell her to sit down and shut up because he's worried yeah. she's going to get killed. <laughs> yeah. She's so basically no told idea. her to shut the fuck up. She's <laughs> like, Brienne, get the fuck up. <laughs> Well, they're learning a lot of new information here. They're hearing about Rob marrying Jane Westerling. They mm-hmm. hear about Tyrion and Sansa for the first time. Um, there's a lot to digest. So, <laughs> Brienne is just kind of shocked about as well. Yeah, which is just more evidence of a na- naivety. You know what? King Rob was sworn to wed a fray. He'd never break faith. Yeah, yeah and then oh, Tyrion swore that it. he would return Arya right, and Sansa. Well, there's no way just, he'd marry Sansa. Yeah, it's so Brienne. Oh, baby, it really is. <laughs> yeah, poor thing. She oh. really is. I mean, like, oh god, this is the worst. So we see this chapter closing out as as. It's clear that Jamie understands that Roos is going to return him as long as he doesn't blame Roos for cutting his hand off. Uh, but you see that um, this is not what Brienne's path is going to be. Roos is going to mm-hmm. give her back to Vargo Hote. And you see Jamie realizing it, but it's interesting, you know, all Jamie does is kind of watch Brienne's reactions and he really doesn't give you his own. So you really don't know what he's thinking about any of it. But it becomes clear when Ruth says, you know, I, I can't take um, both of Vargo's prizes away. So you're going to have to stay here and worry about sapphires. Yeah, and that is can, what, what a way to end the chapter as well. Yeah. It is. This but he, gives us, a, he gives us a great shipper moment when he says that Brienne is such an innocent when he thinks that to himself. Because that plays into you know, later. That's a huge... What he likes in a woman? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a huge shipper moment. <laughs> he does, yeah. When Brienne yeah. can't believe that Tyrion has married Sansa, he's like, oh, she's yeah. such an innocent. Yeah. It's funny, does, isn't that the minute... Oh, God, I don't have it open. Isn't that when he's like, well, I was surprised, too, but I can hide it better yeah, than Yeah, that's... Well, that, no, that is yeah. what he says. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what he says. He's, you mm-hmm. know, he says... That, and that is, as we were talking about before, Brienne cannot hide her emotion. She's no. absolutely <laughs> awful at it. <laughs> she really is. Poor thing. That's why they're so great for each other. They balance each other. I was going to say, I think she's learned a little bit from him, (laughs) which is good. She'll learn some things. We somehow closed this out and we're barely even over time. I don't even know how it happened. I think it's because we rushed through the dinner, which... (laughs) Well, who cares about the dinner? I mean, there was boner to talk about. Come on. (laughs) So much boner. So many boners. And happy endings. And the bath. (laughs) Did anybody have anything else they wanted to talk about since we did rush? through the roost dinner 
No. Um, oh, there was one thing. I, I do it. One of my favorite lines was best not to make her angry. He was no match for her one handed. And that was after. Yeah, he was yeah. thinking some smart yeah. remark. Oh, my God. It's just so hilarious. It's like this you know, snarkiest. <laughs> it's just hilarious because, it's, you know, Jamie so doesn't hard. actually feel like, you know, Bryn's going to attack him. So but it's so silly. Yeah, it's, saying it's, that. Yeah. It's this ridiculous I mean, silly. He, he was... <laughs> This is this is um, when he sees her in a, in the dress, right? And yeah, all the yeah, yeah. Yes, horrible yeah. quips come to mind. And he says, rather yeah. than mocking her, he'll just stay quiet because you know he keeps she finding can totally excuses. take him in a fight. Yeah, and he it's keeps just finding so... excuses not to insult her anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like cute yeah. little Aww. thing to say. Oh, she's gonna beat the crap out of me. I'm gonna leave her alone. Oh yeah. no, I, I it's like it the boyfriend and girlfriend. and then he pulled her pigtails. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's like right before like um Kyber makes he's wanting him to take his medicine and, and he's yes. like, no and then Bria's just like take your medicine you know yes. like, okay i'm smiling okay i'll <laughs> take do it medicine. So these naughty. two idiots how do they not see what's going on oh, oh, because the how does everyone not see stunted babies right <laughs> they act like an old married couple already you know what so, I mean, we know from not getting too far ahead, I guess, but we know from Brienne's chapters in Beast that she recognizes that she's at least sexually attracted to him. Jamie, on the other hand, still not entirely sure where he's at. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie, babies. Well, we we beat the awkward boner to death. Did and so. next week, next week, guys. <laughs> Jackie, I really want you to talk. I want, I want to see how long we talked about the awkward boners. I had to jump on that Jackie. How many times we said boner? We should have had a boner count. Teeth. So Someone much had cock. to be the awkward oh, boner to death because it wasn't happening for Jamie. <laughs> okay, so who has thank yous this week? Eon, I, you? I got the thank yous. You want to take Are you it rolling away? your shoulders, sure. Ian? <laughs> well, I, there was no Jody. No Jody oh, appearances. No. Oh, no. If only we had a line to Jody and oh, we could communicate oh, oh. with Jody. I could maybe do a Jody. <laughs> we could do a seance. Jody seance. If we could maybe channel Jody to be here. <laughs> oh, my God. Lord has to say about You know what? I could, like, you know, do the Jody for the first. Um, do it. For the first thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because, because it's from our, our lovely mod lady of Toth, Tarth hyphen hyphen posts. Lot. We love we miss. We love you lot. Okay, so, so okay, so I'm gonna be Jody and I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend that Jody wrote lots. Thank you. <laughs> Do it. Lot, you're Jody. <laughs> and we she love you. Okay. First of all, I miss you all. I love this episode. Chicky, stop doing my job so well. I, I totally <laughs> ruined Jody already. Yeah. Okay, lot. Okay, Ian. I, I gotta. I gotta interrupt you. It's gonna be. It, it's gotta be more like Chicky. I'm so. I'm so upset you do my job so well. Chicky baby. You gotta get a little more shoulder action in there. I was like interrupted. My husband walked in on me. Did you throw your hands over your boobs like Brienne? Did he come in with divorce papers because he's been listening to your conversation? 
baby. <laughs> I loved when YD read excerpts from the from the chapter. That was so sexy. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure she didn't say it was sexy. <laughs> what a great idea. Thank you, Eon. <laughs> sexy texting. We're mentioning GRM. Quit laughing. I'm sorry. I, I, I have to beat my laughter now. Just know that I'm laughing. Okay, thank you, Eon, you sexy Texan, you spicy, sexy Texan, for mentioning, <laughs> mentioning George R. R. Martin, for forgetting about Brienne's arrow injuries. Now I don't feel so bad about not remembering either. I, I'm bummed I miss Rose Heart Week. What a lovely guest with a lovely voice. Hating Aww. my hiatus lot. I, I'm sorry, I just couldn't do Jody. <laughs> Jody was implied. Yeah. Spicy sexy Texan. That's Spicy, Jody. Sexy, Texan. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. All right. Because I have like eight more thank you notes. I'm going to go through those now. Okay. Okay. The next one is from Viostar. And they say, I discovered your podcast about a week ago and loved them so much. I missed Lot this past week, but Chicky did an awesome job moderating, and the addition of Rose Heart was great. The latest podcast ranks as one of my very favorites so far because there were so many interesting discussion points. In particular, I was struck by the part where you discussed Jamie sharing his coping mechanism with and then even going so far as to help mentally paint the sanctuary where she could go away inside. I'd always liked that moment in the books, but never really appreciated the depth of the intimacy inherent in such an action. I know other listeners have already said the same, but these podcasts really are the highlight of my week as well. Keep them coming, Viostar. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And Rose Hart was so awesome yes. last week. We were so we happy to have Rose her. Heart. We're hoping to also, get back. Yeah. she said coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our next one is from Alice. And she says, hi, ladies. I almost cried while listening to your, you guys talking about that chapter. I had seen the scenes before, read the chapter later, and, listen, and listening to you guys talking about it broke my heart even more. People who keep saying that Brienne and Jamie don't care for each other or that they will never have a romantic relationship need to read the chapter. They went through horrible things together. They are now emotionally bonded to each other. This connection that they have is a very special one. They don't get it with anyone else. The way Brienne feels about Jamie is far from a schoolgirl crush. Her affections for Jamie, uh, excuse me, her affections for Renly is what I could call a schoolgirl crush. She has seen Jamie at his absolute lowest, and the first time she saw Jamie, he wasn't the Golden Knight. He was a chain. He was chained up in a dark cell for at least a year. There's no way she would have looked at him and think he was was handsome or kind. There's no reason for her to have a silly crush on Jamie. They were rude to each other. They kept bickering with each other. They both didn't look very appealing at that time. What Brienne feels for Jamie is something much deeper than that, and that feeling is just slowly starting to develop throughout their journey. I miss Lot, too, but I think Chicky did a fantastic job at moderating the podcast. Lots of hugs. 
Oh, thank you, Alice. Uh, okay, and from Tumblr, we have from Mulder's Girly Scream. She says, good job with the podcast. I laugh all by myself, and my mom thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and we have a comment from our very own Gall and Subterfuge. <laughs> Would oh. you like me to read it, Jess? Yeah. I'll read it. <laughs> Oh, God, I don't even know what I said. Okay. She says, like Chicky, Jamie, for in A Song of... Uh, a Storm of Swords is probably my favorite A Song of Ice and Fire chapter. You guys did a tremendous job analyzing it. You didn't even mention my favorite part, but Jamie's walls were all gone. But you still nearly brought me to tears describing what Jamie was going through and talking about how this experience and seeing each other through this experience is really the genesis of Jamie and Brienne's love. The feels, ladies. The feels. Thank you so much. And fish pumps to all. What a bunch of bullshit. Thanks, guys. A different different kind of feel. Okay. We have a, another one from Comma Splice, also known as Gram- Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. Um, she says, I enjoyed this episode quite a bit, even though there was not as much ho- horse analysis from YD as I would have liked. <laughs> oh, you God, can never not. have enough. <laughs> what I love about the podcast is how you bring up points I've never considered, and you do so with such humor and intelligence. Also, yes, to the shout out on the McEllet. Hitton Love. He changed how I hear Roos when I read the chapters as well. I feel podcast famous now. That was <laughs> and we have um, one from So Hard to Leave You, Brienne. She says, Hi, I'm a big fan of your work. I can't stop laughing when I'm listening to your podcast. Please say, give me a hi in your next work, please. Hi! 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 (laughs) We did get two comments on our iTunes channel too, and one is awesome. Yes, I feel like I begged for those, so I'm really happy. (laughs) You got some. You got two. One is from. You nailed it. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) One is from Stupid Bunny. And they, they, nice said, awesome they said, awesome. good blend to book and show, enjoyable if you're not a passenger on, enjoyable even if you're not a passenger on the Jamie Brienne dreamboat. We'll so convert you. Dreamboat can be a love boat. Dreamboat. It should boat. be a love boat. A love boat. <laughs> <laughs> and last we have from ABBA 1949. And they said, just finished listening to Jamie for a great podcast. Lot must be so proud of the job you did. Oh, she's going to be oh, so proud. I this think that's show. our second one from ABBA. Thank you. Yes, it is. Thank you so much. I feel bad now that I butchered Lot's comment now. Oh, no. Lot's going <laughs> to love it. it. Lot's She'll also going to love that we went like 20 minutes over, as I'm sure will all of our listeners. <laughs> I mean, we kind of oh. expect Let's face it. Um, I'm a newbie moderator. Sorry about that. My bad. Get out. It was a really important chapter. It was. was. We had to let the boner breathe. Speaking of important chapters, we have a really, really good chapter next week. We We do have a big chapter next week as well. There's a dream and a bear. There's definitely a dream and there's definitely a bear. Yeah. And you know, people say that this is an awkward, awkward boner. Do you really think it's an awkward boner? Because Brian never saw it. I mean, I well, feel like so, a little bit Jamie. 
could be awkward, he but was... he played it down. I mean, he played it off. You know? <laughs> he played it down. He played it down, right. he played it down baby. <laughs> he played it right down. It's just a shy cock. <laughs> He's like, I'm sure Brian didn't see that. <laughs> So I know oh, that Shiki and Clotho got this in, but I just also need to say the word cock. <laughs> we all need to say it. Who didn't say it? I Who else didn't uh, say it? Me. I didn't think I cock. Cock. Okay. We pretend we we're from Australia and say it. Cock. <laughs> I can mucky my accent. So we've got. Oh my god! I apologize for this podcast the world. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and thank you to Clotho and Guile for Yay. sitting in with us. Thank you for having. Thanks for listening, and we miss you. Thanks for listening. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.